Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic Pollster. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So I don't know if I have any cheerful things to say. I just kind of want to huff into a paper bag. That's like basically it's basically my mood. So Jules and my daughter have been away uh, visiting cousins and I'm getting these beautiful photos of like everything she's doing with her cousins and like on a trapeze and, you know, doing a scavenger hunt, like all these wonderful things that I like to do if you're five, right? And Beckett and I, he just wants to every day just go mommy and Beckett to the rescue and run back and forth across the house like a thousand times. Like that's well, like- hey. Hey, mommy and Becca to the rescue. That's, That's good. That's kind of basically where we like, don't try anything. Like, <laughs> like okay, but maybe we need a two-year-old to rescue us from what is happening. That is like kind of the mood I'm in right now. I was also, I was down in Orlando visiting my new baby niece. And so I had kind of an excuse to just check out of news and social media pretty Smart. much starting Friday night. So I knew bad things were happening, but kind of stayed off of Twitter and social media for most of the weekend. So that was a, a jarring reentry into reality um, come come Monday morning. Uh, so there's obviously a ton of poll stuff to talk about. But this, you know, we, what last week we had done a whole show about North, did we do North Korea last week? We did a little bit of North Korea. Oh there gosh, wasn't the that much polling there's all this polling about North Korea and... Nobody cares about North Korea. Well, actually, no. As of last night, Steve Bannon gave an interview to the American Prospect Yeah, that he may or may not have realized he was giving. So North Korea is actually relevant again, but we don't have any North Korea polling. Why don't we have any polling about Bannon's interview with the Prospect yet? Because, <laughs> I know, because it happened less than 12 hours ago, but People. which means that lots of pollsters who are in the field... Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Sound of ripping up polls. (laughs) (laughs) So this week's week's top lines. A deadly and devastating weekend in Charlottesville has rocked the nation, and we have some of the first polling to review how Americans are reacting to the rally and to Trump's response. Then we'll dig into a little bit of the GOP civil war and who Republican voters side with more, Trump or Mitch. Spoiler alert, you probably don't even need a spoiler alert. Uh, Many of you may be counting the minutes until the 2020 election. Is it too soon to poll it, though? And finally, coffee. It's great. And I'm just now realizing I haven't had any yet today. 
But we'll end on a happy note. We'll talk about coffee and then I can go get some. We're going to need it. So (laughs) first, our poll of the week. Look, in Alabama, we had an election. It kind of got drowned out by all the news that was happening. But, you know, what often happens is when there's a polling win, people don't celebrate in the streets pollsters getting it right. But it kind of seems like pollsters got it sort of right in this Alabama primary um, where you had three top tier candidates in the top two vote getters were go to a runoff if nobody got a majority and uh, the polling average. And there was a nice table done by uh, Harry Enton of 538 showed that Roy Moore had the advantage in, in pretty much every poll uh, aside from one over Luther strange um, and that Mo Brooks was in a distant third. And that's, you know, pretty much exactly how it turned out. I mean, it is really close to identical what the results were. Yeah, the, the polling average was very close. Um, the you know, Not every pollster got it exactly right. And in fact, you're often going to see that because pollsters still have undecideds, that they're grappling with. There's no, nobody goes, you don't go to the voting booth and you check undecided at the voting booth. So the exact numbers don't necessarily line up, but the, the margins between candidates, I mean, you know, Trafalgar group can, can, you know, take a bit of a bow here because they had, uh, you know, they had the poll that came out closest to election day and their poll had, uh, 38% for Roy Moore and Roy Moore got 38%. Now they had Luther Strange a little low. They had Luther Strange at 24% and he came in at 33. Um, and they had Mo Brooks a little low. They had him at, uh, pardon me, a little high at 20 and he came in at 17. So not perfect. Um, but still, you know, they got the Roy Moore number right on the money. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, look, and the, and the average was pretty close. I mean, certainly this was not a polling miss for sure. And this wasn't just the, Trafalgar nobody was group. surprised by how it turned nobody out. Nobody was surprised by how it turned out. And you know, the average looks very really comparable. And so, um, with, with the final results. So if folks out there are saying that, you know, they don't ever trust the polls, the polls always get it wrong, whatever the polls say, they think the opposite's going to happen. You can point to the Alabama Senate primary as an example of the pollsters getting it right. So now let's talk a little bit about Trump's job approval. So as of press time, Trump's job approval on average was hovering around 39%. Earlier in the week, you had Gallup come out with some daily tracking numbers that looked really grim um, for him that were 34% approve. Uh, The next day, they bounced back up to 36%. uh, A variety of our polling friends Arielle Edwards-Levy, Harry Enten all sort of joked that the day before when they had tweeted, Trump's job approval hits historic lows at 34%. Those tweets got zillions of retweets. The next day when they said Trump's job approval back up to 36%, nobody crickets. crickets. So everybody likes the the outlier, the extreme, the record setter. That's just a... And there was an academic or maybe quasi-academic study of that that we talked about during the election where every time there was something that was an outlier got a lot more press than anything that was closer to the average. And, you know, that's a, I could see how that's problematic. It sort of, you know, magnifies, it, it, it reinforces this narrative that polling is volatile and crazy and then the polling horse race is something we need to follow with this like breathtaking neck like speed that it moves around. Um, You know, on the other hand, it is news if something is, you know, moving or maybe moving. That still makes it news. You could see why thing that is new is news and things that a thing that is like everything else is not news. So I could see really, I could see both sides of it. But, um, but overall, the approval numbers for Trump aren't continue to not be good. They haven't really gotten appreciably worse since our show last week. You know, they may get 
we're still, but they're certainly not getting any better. That's for sure, too. Uh, so the the most relevant poll to all of the um, big stories in the news, the, the story of the white nationalist rally down in Charlottesville and the reaction to it, um, our folks over at Huffington Post Pollster, uh, friends there have done a poll um, to find out what people think about it. And this was the first. We've seen three polls as of this morning about Charlottesville. This was the first one that came out. And so, you know, to take a, a quick walk through the survey and their crosstabs, I mean, the f- you know, first question, it looks like they asked, just your impression, in the United States today, is there a lot of discrimination against white people or not? 40% say, yes, there is a lot of discrimination against white people. 44% say, no, there is not. Uh, this varies based on uh, age, younger people, much more likely to say no, not a lot of discrimination compared to older people. Um, 45% of white respondents said, yes, there is a lot of discrimination. 42% said no. Um, although sort of curiously, you've got about one in four black respondents and almost 30% of Hispanic respondents saying, yes, there is a lot of discrimination against white people, which is, I think, very is surprisingly high. Yeah. I, I mean, I... You know, it's tough with these questions, right? Because if you really kind of tinker with these or look at each word, right? If you're looking at this, there's a lot of discrimination against white people. It is the question asking that that discrimination is based on race or are they asking just in, you know, any kind of discrimination? Because if it's the latter, you say, well, there is a lot of discrimination against white people, but it's for other things other than race. It's for class or gender or, you know, their LGBT status or what have you. And it, it, I don't know if that's what the like the Democratic or black or Hispanic yes answer represents or not. It could or could or could not be that. Um, but that's the kind of thing that you need to, you know, that one needs to really look at and think about carefully when you're asking these kinds of questions. So within the, the partisan breakdown on this, um, among Democrats, 29% say yes, there is a lot of discrimination. For Republicans, 59%. Only 26% of Republicans said no, there is not a lot of discrimination. 15% said not sure. And, and I, I want our listeners to keep that ratio in mind. Around 60% of Republicans say, yes, there's a lot of discrimination. About a quarter say, no, there's not. Uh, Because this is a ratio that I'm starting to see in more and more within where the Republican Party crosstab pop up as like 60 or so percent are like, yeah, white people are discriminated against. Yeah, Trump is awesome, et cetera, et cetera. And And then you've got this like quarter that's like, no, no, what's going on? Right. Um, so we'll just keep that ratio in mind. So then on a question where there actually is bipartisan agreement, well, I say agreement. It's unclear. Consistency. Consistency. We'll say consistency. <laughs> Are you angry about the violent white nationalist rally in Charlottesville? Democrats say 67%, independents 58%, Republicans 60% say yes, they are angry. Those numbers all pretty close together. Um, but who are you angry at? What are you angry at? Who are you about? angry at and why are you angry at them? So this is the question that was just appalling to me in its response. Thinking about the political position of the white nationalists who attended the rally, and then they give, what do you think about their views? That they were mostly right, that they went too far, but they have a point, that they were mostly wrong, or you're not sure. And for Republicans, 7% think they were mostly right. 35% think they went too far, but they have a point. So add that together. That's 42%. Another 23%, I'm not sure. 
not sure how I feel about white nationalists at this rally with mar- with torches. And thirty five percent say they were mostly wrong. Yeah. So more think that they at least had a point, right? Than that they were mostly wrong. Yeah. Where for Democrats and independents, only twenty one percent think they were mostly right or they went too far, but half a point, which still again seems high to me, but. Republicans, the number is twice that big. Yeah, I mean, so Josh uh, Josh Krashauer was talking about this on Twitter, right? Because this is this is a kind of startling finding, and it's startling that it's not more unanimous on the Democratic side, let alone the Republican side. And, and I wonder too if the question, and and I know that everybody's just rushing to get things in the field, and you know, trying to figure out what the important questions are. And we could talk about some of the other questions that are in some of these surveys that happen so quickly. But I wonder if. You know, the political positions of the white nationalists. Now, is that like every position that they have? Is it the position that they were fighting for about the statue? Is it specifically about their white nationalism? Or do you think that they have a point in like any of their political positions whatsoever that they may have? Well, so this is what what is crazy to me about... Not that you should answer those questions differently, in my view, but you could see how that may lead people to be more nuanced in how they approach it. Well, so, no, this is the, all it says is, in thinking about the political positions of white nationalists who attended the rally in Charlottesville. Right. So the question does not say protesters fighting, it doesn't mention right. a statue. Exactly. It doesn't call them protesters. Yeah, so we don't know what it people are It just says political about. positions of white nationalists. Right. At, who were at the rally. And so it's basically just asking, do you think that white nationalists have a, a point, a point that you agree and with? And <laughs> 42% of Republicans were like, maybe they have a point. So this is... Yeah, no, it's a, it's horrifying. No, it's upsetting. And, and so in, if you look at the aggregate numbers, in total, 25% of the electorate, totally, either picks they were mostly right or they went too far and they have a point. And I want you to remember that 25% number, because I wrote a whole column about it this week, um, that I think is, we'll talk about it in a second, but it, you, I have found now this pattern that on questions like this, whether it's, do you love Donald Trump? Do you think his tweeting is great? Blah, blah, blah. There's always this like 20 appropriate for him to, you know, say whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's always like 25% is the magic number. Yeah. Right. Uh, 25% of Republicans. No, of, of, of the of the electorate yeah. overall, which winds up meaning about 50 to 60% of Republicans. Yeah. It's like 25% of the electorate. That's a overall. challenge. That's a challenge. I mean, you know, um, I, I guess when I think of this question and why there's not more universal agreement, look, obviously it, it, it's – it's clear who people who are following this, what the positions of white nationalists are and what that phrase sounds like. But since that phrase and phrases like the alt-right and white nationalism are like a little bit, I don't want to say new because that's not quite right, but, you know, rebranding or tweaks on maybe more familiar words, are, is there some confusion about what or just ambiguity or uncertainty about what some of these phrases mean what some of these folks are fighting for. If you didn't watch the Vice documentary, which, my God, was, you know, very compelling, right? Um, You know, what do you – I'm not trying to – I'm obviously I'm far from trying to apologize. I'm trying to understand. yourself in the mind of a respondent. I'm trying to understand how, like, Democrats could say that. You know, how are people thinking, like, you know, maybe they have a point? Well, and – Margie, you wrote a really interesting column this week about the things that you've heard in focus groups that 
have sort of, you know, shocked you along the way yeah. of like the way people kind of think of some yeah. of these things. Yeah. So, you know, for years and folks who do polling or have watched focus groups or been in focus groups probably have seen this, you know, it is very common for people to say things that, that have a, have a racial code to them, have a, ra- a racial tinge to them. And that's not to say that the people saying them are racist, right? Cause that's different than, you know, what you say, what you say versus who you are, right? That's a, you know, you don't know what necessarily how to judge a full person's, uh, character, but what they're saying, right? And people will say things like, you know, I've heard on good authority that Latinos get, you know, escorted to the front of the line if they need, you know, government assistance or, you know, something that got, uh, you know, that we ended up putting in the story. Um, like people who have grills in their mouth, you know, get better healthcare than I do. And people use these phrases that are so obviously racially loaded, right? I mean, there's no other way to really look at that. And, I had thought all this time, so this was nothing new, but I had thought all this time, like, okay, well, this is, you know, people are just expressing their insecurity and anxiety that there's not going to be enough support and stability for them. There's not enough economic opportunity for them. And so they're looking for, you know, uh, a person to blame, somebody who's getting a better deal than them. And, and that's, and that's where this goes. That's where this leads. And so if people have, you know, more success and opportunity or more optimism than, Maybe we can minimize some of this over time. Um, I did not think that we could until 2016, I thought before this weekend, but in 2016, it was clear to me how fragile our sort of ra- racial recovery, I guess, had it was that people could very easily be inflamed into, you know, full-throated, like, racist views, not, you know, not like an inadvertent, but for sure racially loaded phrase, but, you know, actual protests, like full-on campaigning with a, you know, a racial theme, which we undoubtedly saw in 2016. Like, it does not say that all Trump voters, are, you know, were motivated by race, but there's, we've talked about lots of studies that show the differences between Trump voters and other Republicans, other Republican primary voters, you know, the voters overall, that there's this real, you know, racial component to a group of Trump voters, as you noted. And, um, and so, you know, what does that mean going forward? Then, like, how do we think about that as people who study, you know, voters, you have to be open-minded, you know, not just open-minded to why people are, are saying these things, but open-minded to the idea that this could really get a lot worse. And that was where my shortcoming was. Like, I could, could not see into the future that we could be in this scenario where we are now. So the the column that I wrote this week was about how there's this bizarre, I guess not bizarre, but there's this pattern I've noticed where to me it looks like t- about 25% is Trump's base. Right. Like if we're talking about how low can this go if Trump just like full on embraces the worst of the worst and, you know, loses all his bear. I mean, if, if it gets worse and his numbers fall even further, how low could they go? Um, w- what percentage of the public actually loves it when he right. does this stuff? Right. Like, enjoys that he's sticking up for them or or giving voice to these views that are not majority views but are held by people like them. Right. And so uh, I pulled together just from looking at a number of polls, this number just kept popping up. So Washington Post ABC in July, 24% of America said that Trump's tweeting was good. 24% said that his behavior as president was fitting and proper. Both CNN and Morning Consult last week, their fave unfaves uh, of Trump had 24% saying that they were, or pardon me, a uh, job approval question, 24% said that they were strongly approving 
um, of the job that he did. Uh, in this Huffington Post poll, you have 25% of America that say white supremacists were right or at least had a point. You had 25% who said that Trump denounced the rally at the right time. You have 25% who in Pew polling last year said that Obama worsened race relations. You had 25% in Gallup polling this summer who said immigration is bad. You have about 25%, I think it was closer to 30, that in Pew polling said that they did not like Muslims. Like it's... Right. So... There are likely the same people in all these questions. Right. And look, I don't have crosstabs to prove it, but there is that really interesting paper that John Sides did with the voter study group project that I was a part of that showed one of the biggest factors that differentiated the coalition this time around from your sort of traditional R versus D coalition in 2012 was not liking African-Americans, not liking Muslims, and attitudes about immigration. Yeah. Those were the things that Well, remember PRI found that too, where among white working class, you know, aside from party ID, what best predicted being a Trump voter was not economic uh, fatalism, although that was significant too, was views toward race and immigration, feeling that you were a stranger in, in the, in the country, that the country was becoming different. You didn't have a place anymore. All those kinds of views. Those are, you know, that is, that is a real phenomenon. That is not, you know, that's not, I, you know, there may be other contributors, obviously, you know, the Republican Party, this is more of a home for this kind of attitude in the Republican Party than the Democratic Party. I mean, I think that's clear from that, than just sort of mm-hmm. happen, you know, accidentally that the Republican Party is where this is now blossoming. Um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, that Democrats haven't, you know, that Democrats have, you know, are completely virtuous in this, um, or that independence or anybody else. Or so, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that our politics right now is being held hostage by this 25%. And it's, ma- it's making everybody very, very anxious. I mean, for sure, you have minorities, people of color, LGBT folks saying in lots of polls that they feel more uneasy, they feel more unsafe now that Trump is president. I mean, you know, not to mention all the economic implications and worldwide security implications. I mean, this is like a real, this is a real serious problem. Well, and my, my estimate of this being 25%, there are other smart folks out there who actually peg the number a little lower. So um, CBS has done a sort of study of the electorate and has been doing some focus groups, actually, of folks, uh, and they group them into different buckets. They have the believers, the conditionals, which are people that, like, I like Trump, but he has to deliver on X, Y, and Z for me to stick with him. Mm-hmm. There's the skeptics, or there's the resistant. You know, they have these right. groups. Um, and they have the believers at 18%, which is also what Ariel Edwards-Levy at Huffington Post, they asked a question about, you know, do you approve of Trump? Is there? Can you imagine him doing anything, mm-hmm. anything that would make you not like him? And their number was 18%. Um, however, I think it was Monmouth did a similar thing, and they came to 25% being the percentage of people that said there's nothing Trump could do to make me not like him. So they say 18, I say 25. We've each got data points backing up our position. On the one hand, that's insanely low. That's around the low watermark that George W. Bush ever had during his Mm -hmm. presidency. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, I believe, 10 points lower or around 10 points lower than what George W. Bush's approval rating was on the eve of the 2016 midterm or 2006 midterms, which is where Pelosi took back the House and like that was a a bad election for Republicans. It was a repudiation of the president, and it was an election where his job approval looked like what Trump's looks like now. Yeah, but 
district lines look different. People have sorted themselves geographically. Can Trump hold serve in a midterm with 35 or 25 percent job approval? I don't think 25 percent. But the other thing to remember is 25 percent of all eligible registered voters is 40 million voters. And in the 2014 midterm, that's how many votes nationwide Republicans got. Now, you can't expect 100% of your base to turn out. That's not a realistic assumption. But you can do a lot with 40 million people. You can run a TV network that just gets to 40 million right. people. You can, Like 40 million people is not, it's not nothing. 25% seems like really bad. But if you think about what you can do with that number of people, you can pack well, a lot of rallies. You can sell a lot of MAGA hats. Yep, you know? yep. And if you are the Republican Party, and that's 50% of your base – approximately, mm-hmm. then, then what do you do? And so for leaders who I'm, you know, I imagine are all doing a lot of hand-wringing and soul-searching right now, trying to figure out what do we do about this? If you want to cleave off, you know, half of your base, then what happens to your electoral prospects? Can you ever get anything beyond that 50% if you allow this 25% to, or 50% of your base to, you know, to infect everything that we talk about as a country? Yeah, this is... The the awakening that has disturbed me the most over the last few weeks, and I had this like um, quasi meltdown on Twitter on Monday or Tuesday, um, because the RNC had Kaylee McEnany, right. their new spokeswoman, put out a statement in response to this was Tuesday night in response to Trump's press conference where he said there were very fine people, and I mean it, it was just madness. And the statement was like to. Today, the GOP stands behind President Trump and his message of unity and love. And I'm like, how tone deaf are you right now? This is madness. But like looking at all of this data, I can no longer live under the delusion that a ma- that like a majority of my party actually rejects this stuff and that right. it's this like minority that really loves Trump. And that's what put him. But, you know, if only the field had been cleared in the primary, you know, when Trump got someone had to, like we've gone through this before over and over again. But it's like really, really sinking into me now that Trump has rejiggered who is in the party so that for everyone, you know, Bill Crystal or Joe Scarborough who walks away, three more people who've been waiting for a party like this for a while and are just so glad that Trump is finally giving voice to these things they never felt they could say before. Like they're like, bye-bye Scarborough. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, you know? And like the, that the party, it's not just that the leader of the party is very different than a Mitt Romney, but it's that like the voters mm-hmm. themselves have reshaped or let, their views fly more that like are putting I think you see all of these Republicans on the Hill coming out against Trump. And we'll talk about some really interesting polling about Trump versus Mitch McConnell. Mitch doesn't win that fight. Right. He doesn't win that fight. That's not the party anymore. And like that has been like a what the heck do I do now? (laughs) You know, do you like try to change the party back or do you what do you do? What do you do? Uh, Yeah. No, I I mean, I should have made mimosas. Margie's at my house right now as we're taping this. We're like sitting in a pile. Like we're sitting on my floor, Doesn't my coffee sound, table. Like a blanket around. I know. It does feel very should relaxing. Just, I should have made mimosas I for feel this. Like if the, you know, like I feel like we're kind of ready if the end of the world. But it could have happened while we're recording. We're like we're almost we're just about. We have almost everything we need. Blankets and music, you know. The fridge is booze. a little empty. That's so. all right. We'll go quickly. <laughs> I got um, lots of wine. <laughs> yeah. No, I, look, I mean, the right thing to do is something beyond just simply saying Trump 
what Trump said is bad, right? That's like, that's formula, you know, only gets you so far in terms of demonstrating. I mean, that's like virtue signaling without actually doing the real work of saying, you know, that means we're not going to actually work with Trump on an agenda for X, Y, and Z, because, you know, somebody who's this erratic and this caustic and this callous toward everybody is just not somebody that we can work with. You know, it doesn't matter if we have the same views on taxes. And the fact that, you know, CEOs and the businesses are saying like, we're going to take, you know, we're going to take a stance against our financial interests, but, you know, Republican leaders, you know, don't feel like they have some of the, you Is know, it against their financial interests though? I don't know. Because if they stand with the president, then they the consumer marketplace is younger and more diverse than the sure, voter Sure, but how many consumers sure. are directly, are you know, how many millennials are direct consumers of like a variety of, you know, That's hardcore true. manufacturing companies? Right, like the, the CEO of Lockheed, so my dad's worked for Lockheed Martin, so like I, I follow Lockheed Martin News. Um, you know, the only people that buy Lockheed Martin stuff is like right. defense departments. And, right. you know, so th- that is correct. You are right that they're... It's not like they need like a cute. It's one thing for it's like Under Armour has a different calculation than you know Boeing, right? Exactly. So I mean, then the other thing, and CBS News has a poll, and NewsHour, PBS has a poll that all came out. I'm amazed at how quickly all these polls came out with Charlottesville stuff in time for us to record today. But here, you know, the thing that with all of them. I mean, they do get at a little bit. And I know, and again, this is not critiques of the polling. It's just what I want to know. Um, There are lots of questions like, do you think this was an act of domestic terrorism? Did Trump respond in time? Did it respond strongly enough? You know, things that are about kind of like what happened, you know, kind of specifics about the, this particular incident. And there's, there are, also questions, but maybe not as many as I want of like the big question. Like, do you think Trump has encouraged white supremacy? You know, what do you think his views are personally? Do, do how much does that even matter to you yourself? And do you think that this is a, a good conversation for the country to have? Like those kinds of questions rather than like, how should this be prosecuted? Which is a, a very important legal question and is its own symbol of something as well. But it's a little bit different than sort of the big picture, which is like the big trend, which is this is not the first time that we've had questions about Trump's views on race. Obviously, obviously, this has all gone horribly wrong, right? And it's been horribly wrong on race since the moment he opened his presidential mouth. And so, you know, figuring out like what this means and whether how people, you know, are they okay with it because they like it or are they okay with it because it doesn't actually affect them or are they okay with it because they're, you know, they don't really think it's happening the way it's being told. Well, you know, why are people, you know, how do people react to the core behavior of Trump. Well, there's also the question of, so even setting aside Trump, what do people think about just the idea of the thing that was said to be the reason for the, well, not said to be the reason for the rally, but the the thing that defenders have said, oh, well, it's just about the statue, right? It's just about these statues. And there is some polling, I mean, about public attitudes toward Confederate, the Confederate flag, Confederate monuments. Um, I found a question that Rasmussen fielded in May that made my blood boil a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the way Rasmussen worded their question was, some have suggested getting rid of monuments such as the Jefferson Memorial and the carving on Stone Mountain in Georgia because they honor men who practiced or defended slavery. Uh, okay. Should the United States erase symbols of its past erase history them. that are out of line with current sentiments? 
erase yeah. symbols of our past history. You can move them to a museum. Right. That's the first thing. Right? So, okay. So that on that question, they find, oh, look, 69% oppose erasing these historical symbols. Not That is an insanely loaded question wording. A better question wording that's still nonetheless found, at least in the state of Louisiana, that most people opposed removing the statue. This is a far better way to frame it. Do you favor or oppose removing monuments of people who fought on the side of the Confederacy during the Civil War from public spaces? Right. That's just a neutral Right. And this one's also thing. not saying Thomas Jefferson, right? right. Like, this is... The other one was making the case for the much broader, like, anybody who owned slaves, we're going to erase them from history, which I know that there is a slippery, on the right, there are thoughtful people who dislike what Trump said, but say there is a slippery slope here. Once you start taking down Robert E. Lee, is George Washington next? I don't think that that's the case. The Washington Examiner has a great op-ed about why that's not the case. But here, you know, the idea of removing statues from those on the side of the Confederacy in Louisiana back in spring of 2016, LSU's Public Policy Research Lab found people did not want to do that. Yeah. Um, so, and they they even found a plurality of African Americans did not want to do that in Louisiana. So, the, this that question is is a complicated one in public opinion. Which is not the same as, do you think that white nationalists have a point? Right. I just can't yes. get away from yeah, that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Agreed. Agreed. Uh. Agreed. I mean, presumably, I mean, I hope some people were thinking, well, they do have a point on the statute. Who knows, right? But it's, it, 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 there is it, the lack of the social desirability to say, no, white nationalists don't have a point is part of the challenge that we're all facing. Um, and, you know, so PRI had some questions, that, you know, in the NBC, I mean, the PBS NewsHour had a question. And, and I don't know if I, I like any of the, if I think any of these questions like exactly get at it. So, and they're not necessarily current either. So the um, PRI from 2016, do you see the Confederate flag, this is about a flag, not the statue, as more of a symbol of Southern pride or more as a symbol of racism? And I don't know if I necessarily even see, like, you can, I, I can see how people would think that they, they are both at the same time. Mm -hmm. And how do you answer that question? Um, and, you know, and is, and also is the question asking what you, what it means to you or what its intent is? And is that different, difference matter? And for the statue, I think, and then there's another question. What was the other question here? Oh, should we take, um, statues? This is from PBS. Do you think statues honoring leaders of the Confederacy should remain as a historical symbol or be removed because they are offensive to some people? And I, I don't think the argument for removal is that, well, they're offensive to some people. It's, you know, there's, there's another way to explain that, that opposition, which is, you know, you're celebrating people who were traitors and, and you know, who fought for slavery and they fought against the union. It's not just about being offended in your daily life because then it, it conjures up for people like, you know, well, why are you offended by a statue? Like, no, well, what's, what are we saying with this history, right? What are we saying with our historical, you know, our historical monuments? Um, and explaining the conversation. I mean, this is one of those places where you want to capture where people come into the debate, but you also maybe want to give them both sides and a separate question, like a little bit more explanation of how people view this. And I don't know if any of these questions fully capture the debate on as it stands. In its kind of its entirety and nuance. So difficult stuff to pull. Surely there will be more polling out next week. Yeah, I don't know if my if I'm like hopefully we will have moved on to a different story or hopefully there will not have been some other crazy story that has taken us off this topic. I 
I don't quite know how to frame it, but there's a chance we won't be talking about this next week because something else will have happened and all of the great polling that pollsters are doing now to understand attitudes on Charlottesville will be. Well, to be sure, it's you know, all of this erratic behavior seems to be having some sort of negative effect on Trump, at least per Gallup, in terms of his, they have positive trait tracking and he's just, you know, sunk on everything. He's gone. He's dropped on every positive trait, decisive leader, Brings about change the country needs, cares about you, manage the government effectively, Lord knows, honest and trustworthy, all of it's dropped. So now there's, there is one group, however, that still likes Trump, even compared to others in his own party. Um, a really interesting poll from Politico Morning Consult asking people to choose between President Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And so on a variety of different items they are asked who do you think is more x i've never seen such detailed polling on mitch mcconnell before i know this is this was both fascinating and like tells me how alone i am in my own party (laughs) um so uh, first question generally do you consider president trump or senate majority leader mitch mcconnell to be more conservative now this is a question that ought to set a lot of republicans just hair totally on fire because (laughs) i mean let's i do not think of trump as conservative and I, I am sensitive to the arguments made by very conservative folks and libertarians that Mitch McConnell is, you know, an operator who, you know. And nobody wins. Nobody becomes a leader to make friends, right? Like nobody, every, sure. everybody's unpopular. You know, this is like why I, I like get a stabby when people call her like, why is Nancy Pelosi so unpopular? I'm like, have you seen the tracking on every other leader, <laughs> man or woman, either party in power or not? Um, nobody, like, nobody becomes, like, the national, you know, darling from being a chamber leader. Um, So on this question, uh, among Republicans, and I'm really only looking at the answer among Republicans here because I think that's, to me, the only crosstab that matters on these questions. Like, who cares what Democrats like Trump or Mitch McConnell better? They kind of like Mitch McConnell better because he's not Trump. Right, that's basically Uh, what you're like. like, I don't know, I now all of a sudden find myself strangely attracted to Mitch McConnell because, you know, (laughs) I hate Trump so much. That's where Democrats are in these polls. My friend Shoshana (laughs) has made, like, clothes out of fabric that has Mitch McConnell's face on it. I can... (laughs) We can put that link in show notes if anybody really wants it. I think that's good. She's funny on Twitter, but I want... We need to issue a trigger warning before we do that. Okay. Um, So on this question, I haven't even gotten to the number, is President Trump or Mitch McConnell more conservative? 50% of Republicans say Trump, 25% say Mitch McConnell, 25% say I don't know. Who's more knowledgeable about the legislative process? Mitch wins on this one, 47 to 29. On the question of who's more knowledgeable about policy issues? I mean, come on. Trump wins, 41 to 34. This is among Republicans, remind you. Among Republicans, among Republicans. I mean, like, how is that possible? I mean... Like, I mean, I guess people don't know. Like, and you're asking people to have a lot of detailed knowledge of Mitch McConnell, which presumably most people don't, right? I, I, you know, I know that they don't. And there's but a lot still. of don't know, right? You've got a quarter about don't know, but but still, like, how I love that there's possibly... a, qu- a quarter that must have just taken this whole battery going. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Knowledgeable about, oh, looking out for the Republican Party's best interest. President Trump wins 42 to 25, 52 to 25 among Republicans. Who is more in touch with Republican voters? President Trump wins among Republicans 60 to 16. I mean, I don't know. I almost feel like I would pick, 
I don't know how I would answer that. I'd almost pick Trump on that over Mitch McConnell. After seeing all this data, yeah. I would pick Trump. Yeah. Uh, generally, for, for that question. For that question. Generally, do you consider President Trump or Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to be more effective? I mean, come on. Trump wins 61 to 14. Like, I mean, so. Who do you consider to be more truthful? Trump wins among Republicans 57 to 14. Who do you consider to be more honest? Because honest and truthful are different, I guess. Uh, Republicans. Well, no, it's trustful. It's trustful. trustful. Yes, which is like oh, instead I read of that trustworthy. Wrong. Got it, got it. I read that wrong. Yeah. See, I haven't had my coffee. Yeah. Should have had a mimosa. I know, right? Then I had an excuse. Maybe a lot fun. Honest. Republicans, <laughs> 55% pick Trump, 14% I mean, come pick on. So that's what I'm telling you. This is my like, there's about a quarter of us who are like, Guys, <laughs> you can come on board What's anytime. Going on? And the rest, the rest of the party well, like, have like a really, really on, massive like... blue dog group, and that can be all you guys. Um, so look, it, it, maybe this is related to what happened with healthcare. Gallup tracking shows among Republicans that McConnell, who is not really so beloved among Republicans, just Republicans, you know, in years past. Um, you know, bear, I mean, you know, favorable, but not like really overwhelmingly favorable. His unfaves have jumped from 24 to 33 in just the last like month or so or two months. I don't know exactly what the time scale is here. Um, and his favorability has dropped from 49 to 40. This is among Republicans. So the question is, is that due to healthcare? Are these other data points from Politico and Marnie Consul due to healthcare? Why is McConnell getting all of the, blame for healthcare when it seems if you're a Republican mad about that, you have a variety of other people you could blame for that besides Mitch McConnell. Like, for example, Trump. Trump's very good at blaming other people for things. Or, you know, very good John McCain, whose numbers have improved among Democrats, according to, I think, the same. Um, John McCain's numbers have improved among Democrats more than they've fallen with Republicans, yeah. which is why his net favorability uh, has gone up five points. Yep. But Republicans, he's holding on to barely half. He is a Republican, and yet the party that likes him least is the Republican. He's a party. maverick. He's back. He's back to maverick. <laughs> John McCain is the first politician I was ever like excited about. I was in high school when he ran for president the first time. Okay, so but 2020 can't come soon enough, according to Margie. Yeah, I know. I would like 2020 to be like. <laughs> See, I am not looking forward to it, not having anything to do with a change in power or whatever, but just like, we're going to have to go through another presidential election, Margie. Think about it. I just want a new president so badly. I'm just, I want anybody to come to the rescue, even if it's Beckett or his favorite cartoon of Catboy and Gecko, like, cause that, they would make a better president right now. So Elizabeth Warren, we don't really need to go in a lot of detail here. This is just tracking from Gallup of her favorability. I just want to make this point. So it's 34, 31, fave on fave. And when you look at this, and I know I've made this point before, but it bears repeating. Don't just look at the fave only, because if you were look at the fave versus years past, you're like, oh, she was at 21, now she's at 34. Oh my goodness, she's so much more popular. You have to also look at the unfave, which is she's basically even fave unfave the whole time. It's just she's better known. So if you look at the Google, I mean, Gallup tracking chart, you'll see she went from 62% saying no opinion to a third. So she's become more popular. The ratio between fave and unfave has stayed basically identical. So with that... Let's talk about coffee. Now I really want coffee. <laughs> I, I don't go anywhere without a couple cups of coffee. So Ooh. I'm already fully, I've gone through wave one of 
of Kathy. Next time we do the show here, I can make some espresso. Ooh. That was the birthday present I got for Chris, and I've learned how to use it. Oh, that's excellent. Espresso machine. Okay. Um, Countries that love coffee to go. So some places you have coffee shops where people will sit and they will linger and they will enjoy their coffee. Other places, it's people getting it and walking down the street as a dangerous pedestrian, looking at their phone in one hand and holding their ice smoke in another. Yes. Not that that's me or anything. That's totally me. But um, Or you use the mobile app to mobile order at Starbucks. Yes. Then you get in your also car. Me. You drive. It you, me. You park illegally out in front of the Starbucks <laughs> on Eastern Market you run in, you grab your coffee, and you run back before anyone can even know you were there. That's good. You're only yes. parked for like 30 seconds. Yes. Okay. So Those I would fit me. in very Those well also in me. Japan or Canada as well as the United States, it seems. Because these are the three countries that have almost half of coffee to-go orders as a share of total coffee orders by country. So we take our coffee and run. This is funny. And I, this really speaks to me because, you know, my dad is Greek and Greece is not on this list here, um, but Italy and Spain are. So we'll just pretend that Italy and Spain will be proxies for Greece. And this is a, this infographic is as a percent coffee to go as a percentage of all coffee drinking, right? So Italy and Spain have the lowest to go rating. Only 3% of people are 3%. like, I'll take that. Yeah. Cappuccino to And go. so when I'm with my dad and, you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to go get – he's like, let's go get coffee. And I like to sit and have coffee, but I don't always want to sit, right? And I'm like, okay, well, you can take – or before we leave the house, he's like, well, I need to drink my coffee first. I'm like, well, you can take it. We have like 8,000 to-go cups. You can take it with you. And he looks at me like I'm nuts, you know? And <laughs> he never – like, or if we go someplace, I'm like, do you want to take it to go? And he's like, like, to go where? Like, where like, where, where would I go with this? Like, I'm sitting here for my cappuccino. Now, you know, it now it makes a little bit more sense. It's not solely, like, an, an effort to annoy me. Like, it's actually a very clear national difference where in Italy, Spain, brackets, Greece, people do not take their coffee to go anywhere. In the United States, they do. Well, I should I, – I should- tell all of these folks from other places that don't do coffee to go about the joys going and getting a to-go iced coffee and just getting in your car and going on a nice little drive and listening to a podcast. I know. It's, it's like true. my favorite relaxing activity, usually on Thursdays. It used to be that when we would go to Margie's office, I would tape the podcast and then I would listen to a podcast that I love that I've talked about before on here, The Substandard. I would get a Starbucks outside of Margie's office. I would get in my car. I would drive and listen to that podcast, and it was like yeah. the nice, like relaxing part of my week. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's t- absolutely good. Um, so I didn't bring coffee with me today, but I am going to get coffee. That was on my list. I like. I need to remember to ask Kristen about the best coffee place next near her house. So, ooh, okay. So that's on my list. So I can't really talk about coffee. I could really drink it literally all day. So, um, so I'm ready now after having three cups. I'm ready for round two of around three or four rounds. So, okay. So here's my regarding Alabama polling. See, it isn't so strange. We actually need more of it. Ha ha. You know, more and strange. I know I'm kind of annoyed of everybody's, uh, more and strange jokes, but I had couldn't avoid making one myself. Um, I hope the tragedy in Charlottesville makes it easy for the seven, easier for the 75% to unify against Trump. And I'm going to need something a lot stronger than coffee if we're going to get through any more of the Trump administration.
You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Kaysolta Sanderson. On Facebook, you can find us where we post links throughout the week to the stories we might be talking about on our upcoming show. And you can find us at www.thepolsters.com. Make sure that you give us uh, ideas for stories you've heard, uh, polls you thought were interesting. Tweet at us. We love to hear from you. Write reviews. Yeah, we got a couple good ones. We got a couple good ones recently. So thank you. Oh, good. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks, Thanks for pushing We really down appreciate it. We, it must have been when you said that, like, somebody said that we were Trump apologists, <laughs> that, like, that inspired people to be like, I must go fight this injustice. <laughs> Resist in all ways you can. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye.